James chapter 4, um, I'm going to just kind of, I'm going to kind of pick up in the middle of his narrative, if I can, I just want to kind of uh, extract from the middle of this, extrapolate from one small section of this today. I believe the Lord's going to help us. Um, James was very strong in his language on how to live a Christian life, and uh, he believed in healing. He believed in living right. I love James, but I just want to pull from one little section here, if I could, in James 4 and verse number 7. James 4 and verse number 7. If you're there, say amen. amen. The word of the Lord says to us, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. I want to talk to you today, if I can, for just a few minutes from this subject, how to keep the devil confused. How to keep the devil confused. You may be seated in Jesus' name. As I mentioned to you just a few minutes ago, um, this camp season has been so good. The only problem I find is that when I come home, uh, when I go to camp meeting, I want to be in my home church. And when I come home from camp meeting, I'm glad to be home, but I'm tired because we've had camp. And uh, I feel like these long three-day weekends, or some, some turn them into five- or six-day weekends, whatever, uh, that it's easy for us to get a little bit distracted. And uh, it's easy for us to get caught up. And I know you can tell today there's a lot of folks that are out for the weekend. They're out for the holiday. But I'm sure glad that you have chosen to be in the house of the Lord today. How many of you believe he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you today about how to keep the devil confused. How to keep the devil confused. Now, I know that some of us feel like it's his lot to keep us confused. But I'm serving notice today on the enemy, and I want, I want you to know, and I want the devil to know, he's not in charge. Come on. I said he's not in charge today. One of the most sobering facts about life is that all humans have a supernatural enemy whose aim is to use pain and pleasure to make us blind, forgive my crudeness, but to make us feel stupid and miserable. He wants you to believe that you're hopeless. He wants you to believe that you're just plumb silly and stupid and that there's no way you could ever get this right and he's a liar. I, I want that to be established this morning. I say it all the time, but I want it to be established. The devil's a liar. He don't know how to tell the truth. So you can rest assured that whatever he's been telling you this week, it's a lie. He's been trying to bring you confusion. He's tried to keep your mind messed up. He's tried to keep you turned inside out. But this is what you need to know today. That the Bible calls him in Revelation 12, the Bible calls him the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. 
that he is the accuser of the brethren. He is the ruler of this world. He is the God of this age. First Peter 5 and 8 said that he is our adversary. I want you to know today that your neighbor sitting by you in this house is not your adversary. The person that has you frustrated across the church is not your adversary. The church across town is not your adversary. Your boss is not your adversary. The Bible identifies who your adversary is. Don't be confused today. You have an adversary and he is roaring like a lion and he is seeking whom he may devour. The most appalling and unwitting bondage the whole world willingly follows the prince and the power of the air as the word calls him. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. At his most successful, his subjects march obliviously to their own destruction. But very rarely do they walk alone. They take as many with them as they can. It's part of the confusion of the enemy. I've been watching recently as the spirit of Antichrist is working in the earth and I've been on this for a little while in my study habits and in my prayer of how frustrating it is that people who walk away from truth are never satisfied to just walk away from truth by themselves but they always try to discourage people who still love the truth can I just preach to you and be honest this morning about this spirit that I feel is working in the earth, I've watched it as people walk away and they want to bring other people with them. The only way they can do this, and I don't have time to get into the depths of this in what Jude said. I taught it a few weeks ago, but it's the gainsaying of Korah that they have to elevate themselves and they have to tear down holy things. It's that spirit of Korah. Jude said, woe unto them, for they've gone the way of Cain. After the era of Balaam, the gainsaying of Korah, the gainsaying of Korah is to elevate self and to bring down holy things. When are we going to catch on that it's nothing but a spirit of confusion? It is confused people trying to lead godly people into confusion. Do you know why the earth did not just swallow up Korah by himself? Because Korah was confused and people gave him an ear. Neither give place to the devil. I'm convinced that a lot of people struggle with confusion because of conversations that should have never happened. It's a principle I can preach to you from the Garden of Gethsemane, or from the Garden of Eden to the Garden of Gethsemane to the revelation of Jesus Christ in the end of the book. Everywhere that somebody's trying to do something for God, there is an anti-God, anti-Christ spirit that's working and it's not at the table of negotiation trying to get you to just give in a little bit. It's a spirit that says everything you believed is not true and you're going to have to leave that and join arms with us. I can take you to the Garden of Eden. As the enemy begins to cause them to question, well, is that really what God said? 
And as it begins to get Eve to question the word of God, he starts, did God not say? And then the very next statement is a blatant lie because he's a liar. He said, you shall not die. If you'll start buying into the questions, he knows if you'll buy into the questions, you'll buy into the lie. I just preached right there. If he can get you to start asking questions about what you know and what you believe, then he'll start just making you believe the lie. It's, it, 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 it's not like this is some new deal. We got men in this room that have more corn in their crib than I've ever had in my life. My pastor, my bishop is here today. He has pastored for many years, been in the ministry many years. I thank God for these men. Brother Snow, Bishop Fielder, they're here today. These are men that have invested and they could all tell you if you were to line them up today and tell them what you're wrestling with, there is no new thing under the sun. What you're fighting today is a fight that somebody has fought before you. But this is the principle you need to know. Not everybody that's fought this fight has won. But I want you to also know that not everybody that's fought this fight has lost. I'm tired of the devil showing you the people that he succeeded with and making you feel like you're outnumbered. Hey, I want to tell you, that spirit of isolation will back you into a cave and leave you by yourself. But it's the will of God this morning to come out of the cave and know that if God be for you, who can be against you? But pastor, my children are lost, my husband's lost, my wife's lost. Not everybody's lost. I know this is probably sounds counterproductive because I teach it and I preach it and I believe it and, and, and it's the end times. I think, I think Matthew 24 is very clear that deception is the spirit of the age. It's the only thing that's mentioned three times in the narrative. Deception's coming. Deception's coming. As a matter of fact, he said if he doesn't shorten the time, the very elect would be deceived. Somebody say, that's us. He's after the elect. He wants the elect to be deceived. But everybody is focused on the falling away. It it makes me sad. I hate it. I hate to think about it. But it's a fact of the matter. There's going to be a falling away. It's going to happen. It's happening right now. There is a falling away. It's transpiring right now. I have men that I've shared pulpits with, conference platforms with, preach camp meetings with. And this very day, right now, not, not it, it started. it started with the question. Is this a heaven or hell issue? It started with questioning. Is that really what God meant? And right now, because they acquiesced to the question, now they've believed a lie. You can go to their websites and read their doctrines of faith and what they believe. It resembles nothing like what they were in. Because if you ever start questioning what the word of God says, then you'll just believe anything the devil says to you. And while it breaks my heart, it makes me sad, it's not a new spirit. 
I've watched it attack preachers all my life. This is all I've known. I've watched it attack precious saints of God all my life. And you start feeling overwhelmed. And you start asking questions. Oh, God, what are we going to do if everybody gives up? What are we going to do if everybody gives in? What are we going to do if every preacher stops preaching truth? Oh, God, what are we going to do? Well, let me just set the record straight today. Everybody's not giving in. Everybody's not quitting. Every preacher's not going to stop preaching. The devil is a liar and the truth is not in him. God has always had a remnant and God will always have a remnant. What are we going to do if so-and-so backslides? Oh, God, listen. I, I, I hate this and, and I know this creates quite the conundrum because I tell you to keep praying and you need to keep praying. Don't ever give up hope. Whatever you do, don't ever give up hope. But let me preach the flip side of this coin today. Pray for them. But don't walk with them. <laughs> At some point in your life, you're going to have to have some tough conversations. Woo, boy, it just got tied up in here. You're going to have to have some tough conversations. I'm not talking about burning bridges. I'm just talking about people, letting people know, don't cross this bridge until you're ready to talk faith to me, until you're ready to talk truth to me. People that constantly spew venom and bitterness are not going to get better because you listen to it. Well, I got on Facebook and I tried to set them straight. Sorry, Big Daddy, it ain't going to work. Somebody asked me about someone the other day was posting some stuff about apostolic truth. Why, why didn't you get on there and say something to him? Because I'm not casting my pearl before swine. I've got people right now that I've been trying to reach. I've been full-time at this church. January was 22 years. There's people in this city that I've tried to reach for over 20 years of my life. And this week they were posting the most filthy and foul stuff about the church because they were ticked off at the, uh, at the Supreme Court. So they're attacking the church. You know what I'm going to do next time I see those people? When I see them at a restaurant or I see them, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk in, point my finger in their face and set them straight and say, you big dummy. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk in, throw my arms around them and say, I love you. It's been a while since I've seen you. Come on, go to church with They, they hate the church. That's a lie from the pits of hell. They don't hate the church. They don't know the church. It brings me to where I'm trying to get you today. The devil wants you to believe because of the voices that you're hearing that everybody hates truth. That nobody wants this life. I'm going to say it till you get it. The devil is a liar. The devil is... Pastor, if you would just stop preaching certain things, we'd fill this church up. It's a lie because what we've got is what they need and it's what they want. It's been long enough now I can talk about it and not feel like i got to be super careful. But years ago, I had a young man come to this church. He had just left the church. Follow where I'm tracking he had just left a church that had just left truth. Does that, does that make sense? 
he came here, and uh, <laughs> I will be careful how I say this part, but you just got to know my heart. They didn't realize they had left truth yet, but I did. Okay? He came. How would you know they left truth? Well, I'm going to tell you. He came here and he said, Brother St. Clair, I'm, I'm troubled about some things. Because I'm always careful about when people come here. I want to be sure that I communicate and stay ethical. We're not here to win other people's churches. We're here to win the loss. Come on now. When my neighbor's having revival, I'm having revival. I rejoice when they're having revival. I don't want what my neighbor's got. I want what the world I want to, I want the world to come. And so I had my guard up and we sat down. And uh, I was friends with his pastor uh, probably an hour or so from here. And I'm like, man, that's a pretty good drive. Wonder why he's here. He came to me. He said, I, I'm, I'm troubled. And he said, I want to come worship here. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I want to talk to you about that. He said, well, let me just share my heart with you. I said, okay, tell me. He said, pastor, he said, a few weeks ago I came into church. And he said, I've noticed some things have been preached that I wasn't comfortable with. He said, but I, I just kept sitting, kept listening, kept trying. He said, last week, I believe it was, he said, the pastor called me in the office. And he said, he told me, he said, don't, don't ever speak in tongues in church like that again when you worship. He said, your, your, your worship's it, it, it's out of control. He said, I, I don't want to hear you speak in tongues anymore. How do you know they left truth, Pastor? You ought to know that too. It's a form of godliness. But denying the power thereof. You know what the word, this isn't Pentecostal rhetoric. You know what the word says? From such, turn away. But you, you shouldn't be taking, listen, I'm going to tell you. When people stop preaching truth, Bishop, I think we ought to clean them out. Well, there's some ethics we got to do. If that preacher doesn't want to repent and preach the truth, I believe we ought to clean them out and let people come to an apostolic church where they're going to hear the truth of the Word of God preached. He said, look, he told me not to speak in tongues anymore because if we have guests there, that the guests would be confused. And I knew right then that preacher had been in a wrestling match of questioning the Word because now he's believing the lie. I got in an accidental debate one day. I, honestly, God, it wasn't on purpose, but I got in an accidental debate with a denominal preacher who started in on me. He said uh, he was working on a cabinet job, and I walked in on the construction site. He said, uh, the guy introduced me to him. He said, the pastor's first Pentecostal church. He goes, oh, I speak tongue talker. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's us. He said, that's uh, the devil. I'm like, "Woo, easy, brother. He said, all tongues do is create confusion. I was kind for a few minutes. And then I'd had all I could handle. I wasn't rude to the guy. But I said, before you, before you start talking about confusion, you need to be able to give me as much scripture about what you're saying as I'm getting ready to give you as to why it's not confusion. 
Well, it just causes confusion when people start talking in tongues they don't know. I said, sir, let me take, I know you're a preacher. So let me take you to the book of Acts, the second chapter. The Bible said the first time they ever spoke in tongues, that when they walked out of the upper room into the streets of Jerusalem, it didn't create confusion, it stopped confusion. Because those men said, how be it that we hear them speaking in our own language, but they're glorifying God. The devil wants you to believe that it creates confusion, but the Holy Ghost says it'll stop confusion. preaching pastor I'm preaching to you that the devil wants to keep you confused all the time you know what you, you, you know what the problem is with some people are you ready for it some of you can probably finish this but they got friends that are telling them all the time just be more open-minded but you know what pastor tells you you can be so open-minded that your brains fall out. <laughs> Pastor, it's not, it's, not, it's not that I don't believe. It's just that I'm not sure that it's necessary. The hole's getting bigger. I'm glad I've got the Holy Ghost, but it ain't for everybody. Whew, I need somebody to help me on this fourth weekend. I'm thankful I've been baptized in Jesus' name, but I don't think everybody has to. Woo! Let me tell you, sweetheart, if you're in this house today and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, today would be a good day for you to be baptized because the devil wants you to believe it don't matter. The devil wants to keep you confused. But I've come to tell you, it is written in the word of God that there is none other name under heaven that is given among men whereby we must be saved. I believe, I believe I'm thankful that I, I, I live holy and I, I live separate. But pastor, I'm just not sure that it's necessary and, and I, I've been dealing with this. Oh, dear God, I've been dealing with so much lately. My phone's been ringing off the hook. That's why I'm so thankful to know I'm not alone. I've had pastors from all over this country calling me saying, Bro, what is the deal with this question I'm hearing all the time? Is this really a heaven or hell issue? It's nonstop. It's a spirit of confusion. So, so you're saying then that if I don't, do this or I wear that, I'm going to hell. Nobody said that. Nobody but the devil. Because he wants to keep you confused. We're asking the questions backwards. Ooh, can I preach this morning? I know y'all might be tired. It's a little quiet up in here, but I'm going to preach to you while you're listening. The way we're asking the question, it's really, you may not be saying this, but this is what you're saying. How close can I get to the world but still be holy? That's what you're really asking. So, so, so then you're saying then, if I, if I don't dress like that, or I don't wear that, or I don't get baptized, or I don't, then, then I'm, I'm going to hell. You need to get in the Word, but you're, you're asking the question backwards, and revelation's not going to come when the questions are mixed up. The question is, how close can I get to the world but still be holy enough to make it to heaven? 
And the question that the Spirit of God is trying to get you to ask is, what do I have to do to get closer to Him? I heard Brother Woodward say it this week. I've heard him say it many times through the years. It's kind of one of his staple statements. He said, but all these years, you thought you were keeping holiness. He said, but now you realize that holiness was keeping you. I'm not just here today to preach on holiness. I don't think you can preach enough about it. And I want to be clear today that there is a difference in in just preaching standards and preaching holiness. Holiness is what do I have to do to get away from the world and get closer to him. And standards are part of being holy. It's separating myself from the world unto God. I want you to understand the question is not do I have to do that. The question is can I Can I get closer? What do I have to do to get closer? I want to know him. Everybody wants to know him in the power of his resurrection. Nobody wants to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. I believe that God is working in his people right now. He's given people a a resolve of steel that confusion cannot affect because you're not listening to every wind of false doctrine that blows. You're not interested in being more open-minded. Man, if somebody wanted to clip what I'm about to say and put it on the internet, they could do it. I'm going to tell you, I'm thankful that I was raised by closed-minded preachers. Somebody could run with that and say whatever they want to say, but let them say what they want to. I'm glad that I was raised in a closed-minded church. I'm glad I was raised by closed-minded parents. And I'm going to go ahead and raise my children closed-minded. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying I'm not open to every new wave and every new revelation that comes. I have closed my mind. This is truth. I love truth. I don't need new truth. It's so funny to me because all the people that are trying to get us to open up our minds for the sake of growth aren't growing. I think I may have shared this with you here the other day. I, I don't remember if I shared it here or somewhere else. My friend was preaching the other day there in, there in the middle of a building project in the south. And he said he got on the phone with his builders. Like in a post-pandemic time, you know. What's wrong with these stupid guys building buildings, right? And just, Man, bro, why, you, why, you, why, why, why in the world would you do that? You're an idiot. You're, this is not the time to build. Oh, it's the time to build. It's time to build, because God's building. I will say this, I'm not jealous. I'm glad I'm not in the building project. But it's time, it's time to build. He said he got on the phone with his builder and just trying to have a conversation with him. And he said, bro, let me ask you. All this guy does is build churches. Build like 1,500 churches. That's all he does. He don't build houses, builds churches. He said, how's your business? 
post-COVID. How, how, how y'all doing? You say, I, I'm hearing some guys say it's kind of tough, y'all. You doing okay? He said, well, preacher, I'm going to tell you. He said, the only buildings I'm building right now, he said, everybody's canceled. Everybody's called it off. Everybody's canceled their, uh, their, their, their capital campaigns. He said, the only buildings I'm building right now are for Pentecostal guys. He said, you guys are the only ones that are building right now. And I started rolling in my bed thinking about that. Caleb said, the only people that are building are one God, Jesus' name, apostolic people. And I could hear the voice of the enemy saying, everybody's closing. Churches are going down. Offerings are down. People are staying home. And I wanted to stand up in the middle of the night and say, not everybody, devil. Don't, don't you know that churches ought to be careful because they're closing everywhere? Not his church. His church can't be closed. Upon this rock, I'll build. The devil wants us to be confused. The devil wants us to believe that the church is going down. But I've come to preach on this Sunday morning that the church is going up. trying to hurry I was sitting at a sitting at one of our conferences I know I'm full of stories today but I, I just came to encourage somebody I was sitting at a conference my wife was on my left I had another pastor on my right conference big conference a lot of preachers there and my wife can tell you they got up this conference and literally had every every Holy Ghost filled child of God every preacher and wife in that place believing. Ever, they were doing their best. And I, I don't want this to sound ugly. But they were trying to convince us that everybody is going crazy. This was an apostolic meeting. They brought up this panel of therapists. And Brother Gray, they were like going off. Like, we want you to know if you live in constant depression, you're normal. Am I lying? There's a man that I revere. If I said his name, many of you would know. He preached the night before, strange enough, on deliverance. He got up and he preached, and he said, God is healing mental illnesses, right? God's healing depression right now. And so help me, one of the therapists got up the next morning and said, I know some of you claimed your deliverance last night. But you need, to, you need to go home and put a good treatment plan with your deliverance. This pastor, thank God. I'm sitting there thinking, do I just pastor weird people? I mean, I mean I'm not saying y'all don't have trouble. Anybody in here felt depression, tried to sneak in the last couple months? Come on. Anybody? Come on. Don't be lying on God. Everybody in this church has felt it. And it ain't because of this church. It's because you're breathing. 
You got oxygen, your heart's beating. That's why you feel depressed sometimes. Because life happens. The word depression's not in the Bible, but do you think Job was just elated? I lost my job. I'm done. I guess God's given up. Well, that's a constant state of confusion. And this pastor sitting on my right, I had all, I, now you, you know, I'm pretty strong headed, but I, I'm literally sitting there having a wrestling match in my mind like, is this real? Like, are, have we really come to that place that everybody in my church needs medicated? I mean, there's some that could probably use a little extra. And the, pa- the pastor sitting to my right, he just kind of leaned over and he talked out of the side of his mouth. You know preachers are up to something when they're talking out of the side of their mouth. He leaned over Brother Joe and he said, you guys have this problem in your church? I'm like, oh God, I'm fixing to hear his church is nuts. They're crazy. I said, bro, I'll be honest. We don't have this problem. They're up there saying, I know after COVID, all you pastors are depressed. I'm like, no, I'm not. I was depressed when we couldn't be together. If you can call off church and it not depress you. If you can sit at home for months and watch on your daggum phone. And it don't depress you. Come on. You don't have to run right now. He leaned over to me. And he said. Brother St. Clair. You guys have this problem? I said, bro, we don't. He just kind of looked at me with that faraway look in his eyes like, what in the world? And as sure as I'm breathing, I felt the Holy Ghost say, it's because you got a prayer room. I said, bro, let me tell you why we don't have this problem. I said, because we got a prayer room with people that know how to pray. He got excited. He said, he said, me too, bro. He said, the reason why these people are dealing with this in their church is because they're trying to have programs and they're getting rid of prayer. The devil wants us to be confused and to believe that there's a new program that's going to fix it. But I still believe in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying you're not going to fight depression. And I'm not saying you're not going to have dark seasons. But I do want to remind you, in the midst of all the confusion, that weeping may endure for the night. But joy comes in the morning. The sun is about to rise in your life. Just hold on. I'm almost done. I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. adversary the devil has a roaring lion roaming to and fro 
seeking whom he. I want somebody to shout that out. Come on, shout it out. Seeking whom he may. My mother taught me when I was a little boy. And I'd come in and say, can I have something to drink? She'd say, you can. But you should be saying, may I? Because there's a lot of things you can do. People say, well, the devil can't mess with me. Yeah, he can. He can. But he's seeking whom he may. Because that means he doesn't sit at the control box and say, yep, I can get them, so I'm going to go get them. He has the tools to get the job done, but he don't have access. He is seeking. Somebody shouted, whom he? Well, I tell you, he's about to get my family. Yes, he is. He's about to destroy my marriage. Oh, that's right. If that's how you keep talking, you better believe it. He's about to destroy my health. You're right. Yes, he is. Until you wake up and realize that he is not the one that controls the confusion in your life. I am so sick and tired of being confused all the time. Seeking whom he. Boy, God, y'all are preaching so good in here. I wish I could give you all a check right now because you're preaching so good. Whom he may, 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 may. May, may. That means when he wants to devour you, he has to come to you and say, God, God, may, may I? May I? And then when he comes to you, God said, go try it. I dare you. Go, go try my servant, Joe. God, may I? But sure, go over there and try it. And when he comes to you and he's trying to confuse you and he's trying to mess you up, he'll send your wife. He'll send your kids. He'll send, it doesn't matter. He'll send your friends. He'll send a wife over to you that'll say, why don't you just go ahead and curse God and die? Because he's wanting to know. Whom he, man, y'all are preaching it this morning. Whom he may devour. But I love it when the Spirit of God gets on a man who has nothing to lose and everything to gain. And when they say, why don't you just curse God and die? They'll open up their mouth and say, you know what? I came into this world naked and I'm going to leave naked. I didn't have anything when I came in. And I'm not going to have anything when I go out. The Lord giveth and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. devil does not have a free hand in this world. I want to paint you a picture and be sure it's crystal clear. The devil, your adversary, is on a leash. He don't have access to your thoughts. Pastor, my thoughts have just consumed me. Listen, I'm going to tell you when he gets access. is when what, what battle you've been fighting in here starts coming out of here. I've had questions too. Is it worth it to fight? But I ain't open up my mouth and say it. Oh, man. Pastor, you mean you thought that? Yes, absolutely I've thought that. You catch me on the right Monday, you don't want to put a speaker on my brain. It makes me so happy to see men of God nod their head and know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the way the devil is, he's a liar. It don't matter. You can have 15 people get the Holy Ghost at a meeting and go home and the devil say, well, it wasn't 20. 
beat your brains out because 20 didn't get it. Listen, I'm going to tell you how to keep the devil confused. I'm almost done. I know you've been waiting. I'm still in my introduction. I'm getting ready to preach. He's an adversary, the only adversary. And he's trying to bring confusion all the time. And the way that we keep the devil confused is that we are wise to his devices. And we get in the word of God and we read that the same trick he's trying on me, he's tried on thousands of others. And the thing he's trying to use to trip up my feet is the same roadblock he's tried to trip up for generations. But the way we keep the devil confused is when we've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, but we fear. But we fear no evil. We keep the devil confused when he has given us everything he can from Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday afternoon. And our back starts hurting when we get home and our head starts aching. But we get up about 5.30 or 6 o'clock on Wednesday night and jump in the shower and start putting on our church clothes. And the devil says, I've tried everything I know to get them to quit. I've tried everything. I know to get them to stop I am so confused you were called 1 Timothy 1.18 to fight this good fight and you need to know boy somebody's going to get hurt on this if you don't get your spirit right you are not the only one that's in the fight of your life Can, can, can I just talk to your heart right now? Everybody say, Pastor, I'm not going to be offended. Don't you lie to me. Turn to your neighbor and tell him this morning, you're not the only one that's gone through it. That's what the devil wants you to believe. He don't work like that. Yes, he does. It's exactly how he works. He'll take a prophet of God that by himself just slew 800 men. Listen to me now. 400 prophets of Baal, Baal, 400 prophets of the grove. 800 men, one prophet. Slew them. As we used to say, he beat the hawk out of them. Killed them. It was over. And after the greatest victory he had ever had, he gets a letter from a woman. And she says, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to kill you dead. Listen, you don't believe the devil likes to intimidate? Just killed 800 men. And one woman sends a letter and says, I'm going to kill you tomorrow. What makes you think that the God that delivered 800 men into your hand can't deliver that one woman into your hand? And the Bible said that he, he escapes. And he closes himself in a cave. Listen, it's a trend that happens time after time. You are not the first one that wants to isolate yourself and get by yourself when you've been in the fight of your life. But it is a trick of the devil. He shuts himself in the cage. And forgive me if it sounds crude, but i got to help somebody. The old prophet sticks his thumb in his mouth. He says, I'm the only one. the only one 
And if God speaks to him anything like he speaks to me, the Lord reached down and says, Get up, you big baby. You think you're the only one. But if you'll roll that window away right there, roll that door away from this cave and step your hide outside isolation, Luke St. Clair, you're going to see that I got 7,000 that have never Everybody's quitting. No, they're not. Everybody's giving up. No, they're not. Everybody's falling apart. No, they're not. Oh, my God, the whole world. Oh, God, what are we going to do? Oh, they hate us. Hang on. Let me remind you of this famous guy, really famous guy. said before they ever hated you. He told us it was coming. Do you honestly believe that evil is going to be reversed? And Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned? And people are going to keep their mouth shut? Can I say this and you not think I'm ugly? Just because church people kept their mouth shut about it doesn't mean the world's going to keep their mouth shut. I feel like telling you this morning that the devil is a liar and he's trying his best to confuse you. He's trying his best to make you believe that it's over. But somebody is going to confuse the devil this morning and you're going to stand to your feet and throw your hands in the air and say, devil, it's not over until God says it's over. It's not finished until God says it's finished. God is not through with my life. God is not through with my family. God is not through with my children. Church. It confuses the devil when he's done everything to take your praise. But you came on Sunday morning and you've got a mouth filled with praise. Pastor, Pastor, my, my, my retirement fund. Oh, my retirement fund. You ought to see my stocks right now. I don't even remember what green looks like on my stocks. I quit opening the app. I've looked now for four months and it's been red every day. What are you going to do, Pastor? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So, so, so you're not worthy? No, I'm not, because I gave God the first 10% of my increase. I gave God my tithe. I gave God my offering, and he redeems the rest. He established it in the word, and you confuse the devil when you come into tough financial times. But when the doors of the church house open, you walk down the aisle, and you got a smile on your face. God, I'm still going to put you first. I'm still going to pay my tithe. I'm still going to be faithful. And the devil don't know what to do when God just keeps on blessing you, and God just keeps on turning it around. Right now, you may not know how you're coming out, but this is what I know. There's a principle that you got to get. I'm done preaching. There's a principle you got to get. David did not start dancing 
when the Ark of the Covenant got back to Jerusalem, he started dancing when it left Obed's house. He took six paces from Obed's house and he started dancing. He danced because he was six steps closer today than he was yesterday. It confuses the devil. When he starts making you say, it's only six steps. Woo! I know I'm preaching right now. It's only, they only came one service. Yeah, but I've been praying for that one service. <laughs> the devil is so confused this morning. I got to looking around the room and I know there's a lot going for the holiday. But I got to looking around this morning at people that had every right to just sit at home and be mad and be frustrated and be ticked off at work and ticked off. There's people in here that's been sick. I'm going to tell my wife. She was sick as a dog last week. Taking medicine for bronchitis. She's supposed to sing on Friday night, Sister Fielder. I said, babe, what are you going to do? She said, well. She said, if I don't have my voice, I'll just get up there and act like I'm singing in worship. <laughs> Brother Bounds preached Wednesday night and Thursday night. Woke up Friday morning sick as a dog. You know why? Because the devil wanted him to shut his mouth. I watched it happen. I don't know how many of you were there. But how many of you know when he took the pulpit, he said, well, it's good to be here tonight. He'd been preaching about 10 minutes, and power came to his voice. And the devil was confused. Because the devil said, if I just make them sick, they won't sing. If I just make them sick, they won't preach. If I just make their legs sore, they won't dance. But what the devil don't know is, I didn't come today to see or be seen. I came to worship. I came to glorify. If the devil could have killed you, you would have already been dead. If the devil could have stopped you, you would have already been stopped. But it's by the mercy of God that you are not consumed. I know you're waiting on the music right now. But God's waiting on you. I want somebody in this house today, not because I asked you to. But because you've got a revelation that you want to keep the devil confused. He's tried everything he can to stop you, and you're still here. He's tried to send discouragement, and you're still here. He's tried to knock you down, but you got back up. I dare you this morning to step out by faith and say, God, I'm getting back up.